got a word from someone this morning about waiting on the Lord and becoming strong and courageous as we wait. And didn't you just feel a sense of that spiritually as we just sang, we're getting ready. You know, we're getting ready for you. How do we get ready? But to wait on the Lord in worship and prayer together and remembering, coming into alignment with what is already true, but we need to keep in front of us, right? <laughs> and um, I want to start, uh, like Kiara said, this is going to be a little shorter, uh, so, but I do want to start uh, to recap uh, last week's uh, sermon with a scripture passage, if you can put that up, Lily Kay, just a couple verses. All right. Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God, who saved you out of all your disasters and calamities, and you said, No, appoint a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord, by your tribes and clans. And so this, along with what John preached last week, describes what we're stepping into today, right? Is that Israel has rejected God as their king, and they've said, no, we want a king like the rest of the world. And as they do this, God is reminding them that your sons and daughters are going to be slaves to this king. Elsewhere, he goes on to say that this king, these kings will take and take and take from you. And they will not give. They'll take a tenth of your land for their attendance. They'll take this and they'll take that and they will not give. But it does make sense if we consider the greater context that has led to this heart condition of the people. I would be remiss not to remind us of the beginning of 1 Samuel, and just 38 years prior, when Eli was uh, led a corrupt priesthood. During that time, they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were spiritually abused by this priesthood. Um, they were, uh, the voice of the Lord was rare in the land, and even said that Eli's eyes were dim, and he couldn't see well, and it was a metaphor for the spiritual condition of the leadership who was supposed to be the mediator between God and his people. And so this is not two generations removed, this passage that we're entering into today that I'll read in a moment. It's not two generations removed from that time. And so the Bible says that to the third and fourth generations that our iniquities, uh, that the iniquities of our forefathers affect us. And so we see in this, this evidence that these are a people who perceive they've been rejected by God. And how do we know that? Because in the spirit realm, you give what you have. And what they're giving is rejection to God right now. They're saying, God, I reject you. I want a king. That's what they're doing in their hearts. And so, but it... In one sense, it makes sense, right? Because they're operating from a place of harassed and helpless. They're operating from a place of brokenness and bondage. They're operating from a place of wounds and lies. And that's where our passage picks up. Lily Kay, if you can go to this next one. Um, this is where uh, 
uh, we'll pick up today. And the Lord has told Samuel, the prophet, the priest, the judge in this day in Israel, um, who would be king. The Lord, keep in mind, has anointed and appointed him. And uh, I'll unpack that with you. Um, can you guys stand and read with me? Out loud. Let's read out loud together the word of God. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelza on the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, the donkeys you set out to look for have been found, and now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tegel. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being placed before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hands find to do, for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart, and all these signs were fulfilled that day. When Samuel had all Israel come forward by tribes, the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matthew's clan was taken. Finally, Saul's son of Kish was taken, but when they looked for him, he was not found out. So they inquired further of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, Yes, he has hidden himself 
among the Sultans. They ran and brought him out, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, Did you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, Even though we were reading a lot, so <laughs> I was just reading things and sort of thinking about my sermon. And <laughs> but wow, this this passage is powerful. Reminded of what John said when he said, "When we're faithless, God is faithful." Look at what God did to uh, change the heart of Saul in the midst of the people doing something against the will of God. Like he's still faithful, right? He's just so beautiful. <laughs> you know, when I was a teenager, there were two guys in particular who rejected me. And they picked on me sometimes. Mostly they just didn't like me. And I sought their attention. I sought their affection more than anybody. Right? I would distance myself from the people who loved me and, gave, and treated me the way I was worth being treated because I'm made in God's image. And I would seek their attention, they just wouldn't give it to me. And so I'm just reminded of that in this passage, that, you know, I sought the love uh, from people who would not give it to me and forsook sometimes the love of those who did. And that's what Israel's doing here. They're forsaking God as their king, the one who loves them, for a king who would not give it to him. But the devil is a liar. And how many of you know that our lot is not his lies? Amen. Right? I have a younger friend in his 20s who um, right now he's facing for the first time the rejection and abandonment of his father that's happened all throughout his life. His dad is never in his life. And, and the reason he's facing it for the first time right now is because um, he is repeating the patterns the cycles of his dad to numb pain in his own life, and it's threatening now to cut off access to his child. Mm, wow. And he's like, this is not okay, and I can't fix myself, and I'm at the end of myself here. And he's a follower of Jesus, and um, thankfully, my friend is seeking power ministry. He's seeking inner healing. Thankfully, my friend is seeking Christian counseling because God has a better plan for him, right? And I bring him up because, you know, God isn't, when we say the sins of our forefathers um, affect us to the third and fourth generation, how many of you know that's not punishment from God? Jesus took our punishment on the cross, right? But those sins of our forefathers to the third and fourth generation will result in affecting and infecting our lives, barring God's kingdom breaking in and breaking off curses on our family lines and replacing them with a blessing. Right? And so that's what my friend's contending for right now. And I prophesy over him that he will walk in the fullness of fatherhood, the fullness of his calling, the fullness of his purpose. And do you know why I'm prophesying that? To you right now about him 
is because my Bible tells me that where one person agrees with me, I just need one. I just need one of you to agree with me. Thank you, Henry. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. Uh, that my Bible says that where one agrees with me in the name of Jesus, it will be done for them. So it is finished. Amen. <laughs> so I thought I'd bring it here. <laughs> you know, with you all, who I knew would be witnesses and would agree with me. And, um, and so, yeah, I believe that's going to happen in my friend's life. And we see this in the power of prophecy in this passage, right? He said, these, these men will come, these people will come, and they will prophesy, and your heart will be changed. This is why the scriptures say to eagerly desire. And when I look at that word, it's like a pot boiling over, a pot of hot water. To eagerly desire the greater gifts, especially that you would prophesy. Especially that you would prophesy. What do we see in this passage? But that the power of God comes on Saul through prophecy. And he begins to prophesy. Because you give what you have in the kingdom, right? And so, what's the purpose of prophecy? But to strengthen, to encourage, to comfort. Supernaturally, in such a way that that divine will breaks in and transforms your heart. Paul's heart was, or Saul's heart was changed, right? Amen. And so, and so, uh, but we can reject God in our lives, right? We can, um, as a kind of spiritual orphanhood, believing in rejection because we've been rejected by people. We can attribute that, misattribute that. Is that a word? Misplace that rejection on God. <laughs> And, um, and my exhortation to us this morning is to stop receiving the lies of rejection and start receiving the acceptance of God. And what do I mean by that? I don't mean um, just have gain more understanding about it. I mean position ourselves to receive that in our own journeys. In our own journeys where we've legitimately been wounded. And the enemy wants to lie at those points, those points of vulnerability to us about those wounds. But the Lord wants to heal us. Amen. And the Lord wants to align us with the truth that we're already accepted. Well, Israel here is looking in this passage at the outward appearance of man, right? It's interesting here because the name Saul means desire. means to be asked of or to desire. And we know from this passage that he's taller than all. We also know from another passage that we didn't read that he's more handsome than any. And we see that, but, but it was God, not the people first, who picked him, right? Isn't that curious? It's like, well, doesn't God look at the heart? He does. And the Lord picked, according to the people's desire, a reflection of their heart. The Lord picked according to the people's desire, a reflection of their heart, that they would look at the outward appearance, they would look at what the world wanted, right? Because the world wanted king. Everybody had a king. And they wanted what everybody else had. And so they sought this. But how many of you know that if they looked at the heart, they would have never rejected God as their king? Because of my main point, which is the King Jesus is the desire of the nations. And our Bibles tell us that. That's not me making stuff up. King Jesus is the desire of the nations. Devontae's hat says free on 
And everybody who looks at that hat knows why that's attractive. Because we, more than anything, want freedom. And how many of you know that under the great paradox of the kingdom of God, in Jesus' monarchy, Jesus' lordship of your life, is freedom. This is why he's a desire of the nations, that even those who don't want him, like Israel in this passage, even his own people, even the places of the heart of God's own people who believe in him, uh, or, or repelled by him, or reject him for a time, God is their desire in the deepest place of their heart, because we want freedom. Even those who don't acknowledge, who don't believe he exists, who worship other gods and other nations today, the deepest place of their heart, the truth is, they desire Jesus because we all desire freedom. King Jesus is the desire of the nations because he's a redeeming God. I love in this passage that even though the people are not walking in God's will, God is still meeting them where they are. He's not rejecting them for it, right? He's not only not rejecting them, he is giving them what he's giving them a king and changing that king's heart. This is God's great love, right? To meet us where we are. In all of our stuff, in all of our brokenness, in all of the lies, Jesus is like, I'm just going to meet you there in the middle. Because I can't not be who I am. I can't not be who I am. I, I have to, I am faithful. And so God is a redeeming God, changing Saul's heart in the midst of that which is not his will. Jesus is the desire of the nations because Jesus here um, gives the greatest desire. The greatest desire of the nations is to be, is to dwell with God on earth. And the greatest desire of God, we get that from God because we're made in his image. His greatest desire is to dwell with us on earth. And that's where this is all heading, right? We just sang about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we will be on earth with God forever in his, the fullness of his presence, knowing him fully as we're fully known, right? Guys, in this passage, we get a picture of God's heart in that regard. We see that these prophets, we sang worship as warfare today. These prophets are in the enemy, the enemy outpost. The enemy stronghold, the Philistines, in the high place with their harps, their lyres, their timbrels, their pipes, and they are worshiping as warfare. They come down, and now they prophesy to Saul, and the Spirit of God comes on him. What were those people except a company of prophets established by Samuel in his day? That David would gather in the future, King David, to worship uh, in a pattern after heaven, 24-7, day and night, worship and prayer, known as the Tabernacle of David. Guys, we experienced that for like four minutes. <laughs> when we just sang together. Right? Maybe me. I don't know. We just sang together though, right? And we just entered into that. That is what Samuel is establishing. So even in the midst of all the mess of Israel, right, you see that God is, in his rulership, establishing a kingdom, right? The leaven of the kingdom of God is at work there. He has not forsaken his people. In his ways, he's not 
he's not placating by giving them salt. He's saying, he's saying, I'm meeting you where, where you are by giving you salt, but I'm also doing what I do. And there will be a remnant. <laughs> and there will be a remnant who's following me. And here they were, creating, establishing a stronghold of their own, a stronghold of the kingdom of God, God's kingdom on earth. And so, John, if you can come and play. Um, you know, some of you may be like me when I describe my story in my adolescence, where you may be in a relationship where rejection is part of that relationship. And that kind of dysfunction is something that you find yourself caught in. And I just want to exhort us today that if that's you, if that's you, I encourage you to break free from that. To know that you are worth more than that and to seek help from a trusted uh, believer in your life. Um, you know, sometimes we need help to see ourselves as God sees us, right? And sometimes dysfunctional relationships can keep that from happening because of emotional bondage. Some people call it soul ties, right? And I just want to exhort us, to encourage us, to reflect on that and know that we don't need to keep hearing those dysfunctions or that rejection in our lives, that you're better than that, you're worth more than that. Um, secondly, some of you may be like my friend who you're repeating patterns that are in your family line and you just can't fix yourself and you're kind of at the end of yourself with this, right? And you're ready to give this over to the Lord to experience His gospel transformation. I just want to encourage you to step into that and let God break in and break off those curses and replace them with blessing. To let God bring His restorative yeah. love to your heart, and know that this is not the inheritance of your family. Amen? That God's, that Jesus said, I have given you every spiritual blessing in me. That's your inheritance. That's your lot. That's your birthright. The Bible says that our right is to be called children of God for those who believe in Him and receive Him. It's by grace, but it is our right. Lastly, some of you may be like Saul. You know, Saul here is hiding behind the supplies. You caught that? <laughs> it's interesting. God changed his heart. And yet Saul had choices thereafter. We'll see in the weeks to come what he's done with his choices. And some of you know the story. Um, but right, because God is love, he gives us choices. Because love is fundamentally a choice. Yeah. We, can, we, we have to reciprocate love. <laughs> uh, but um, Saul is revealing the hearts of the people and the condition of his own heart here in hiding. In fact, you know in the chapter before this, uh, what we didn't read is that Saul says, I'm from, when Samuel tells him you're going to be the kings, he says, I'm from the least tribe of, uh, the least clan of, of the least tribe of Benjamin. You know, he perpetuated a word curse there over himself. And the Benjamites would do this actually because of a particular sin that their people, that their tribe committed at the end of the book of Judges. I'm not going to get into that. but um, So they would speak this over themselves. 
And what is that called? The toxic shame. Mm. To say, I am what I did. I am what my forefathers did. Guys, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You are not what you or your parents or your grandparents did. And Saul was speaking that over himself. And what what did that cause? It caused him to, when he was anointed king, to hide behind the luggage. But that is not... That is not of God, right? He has something different for us. Even in this passage, God has shown His love and mercy, right? Saying, Saul, I have more for you. Come up here. Come up here, right? He didn't forsake Saul. He wasn't against Saul. He was for Israel. He was for, he is for, he was for Saul. <laughs> and so that's what He's saying to us this morning. Come up here. See yourself how I see you. See yourself in light of who I am and that I'm for you. Amen. And so, and what I'm not talking about as I close here is understanding more information from what I'm preaching. I'm not talking about behavior modification. I'm talking about encounter with Jesus' gospel power that moves you from here to here and transforms your heart. What I'm talking about is a restored will, healed emotions, and a renewed mind by the power of God. Amen? Amen. Amen.